time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Jesus is alive, right on? <laughs> Amen. All right, well, welcome to DSM tonight. Thanks for being here. Congratulations to the pie eaters. You did a great job. That was a lot of pie. Let's raise your hands with me and let's pray together as we start this new series. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for what you're doing right here in our midst. God, we thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. God, we thank you for what you're doing on our campuses. God, I thank you for every leader that's in the house tonight. I thank you for what you're doing in their lives as they follow you and as they call their generation at their campus to be Christ followers. Holy Spirit, would you come now and illuminate your word Cause it to be alive in us. Let it not be stagnant theory. Let it be life. Let it be who we are. Let it be the core of what we believe, Lord God, your word. We love you. We honor you. And everybody shouted, amen. Yeah. Amen. How many of you have been on a flight before? Anybody ever been on a flight? You ever been flown there? there you go. How many of you have ever, ever flown over the ocean? You ever been? Yep. Okay. I was 20 years old on my first international flight. I'll, I'll never forget it. I went with a friend of mine. He was a pastor, uh, still is. His name was Mike. And uh, we got on this airplane, and we were flying from Atlanta to London. That was our flight. So we were flying Atlanta to London. And when we got on the flight, my first international flight, and, and I really didn't know what to expect. I really, I wasn't thinking that it was going to be anything different than a regular flight. But much to my surprise, when we got on to the airplane, they handed you the first thing that was cool. Now, this not, might seem normal now, but this was really cool back in 1997. They, they handed you free headphones, and that was kind of cool. So you're walking down, they hand you headphones, and then you sit in your seat, and you have a free blanket. And then, I mean, it's not really free because you paid $1,000, but anyway. So then you, got a, you had a blanket, and then, and then like normally the other airplanes I'd been on, there was like three seats, and then, you know, an aisle away and three seats. But this had two seats, five seats, two seats, and in the middle of the five was a big screen TV. Now, you got to know, I grew up not being able to watch much TV. Like, my parents were like, TV, not good, unless Michael Landon is in it. And so I could watch Highway to Heaven and Little House on the Prairie, and that was about it. <laughs> but, so I, I sat down, and so I'm, I'm 20 years old. I, I get on this flight, and I'm, I am just mesmerized. Like, I'm thinking, this, this is cool. This is awesome. I got the blanket, I got the, I got the headphones, I got the TV going. And my friend, the pastor, he, he, he sat down kind of like two rows up and over. All right, so a little bit up and a little bit over. And so we weren't sitting together, which I was kind of depressed about, but I was like, all right, I'll be fine. So I could see him and he was right, he was just like, boom, right there. And so, and so anyway, we, we, we took off, we pulled out of, you know, we, we got in the air and, and lo and behold, not only did you get free stuff, not only was there movies coming on for eight hours, but they started to feed you. And they came by and they handed me a menu. And I was like, are you serious? Like, this is, the, this is, the, this is cool. Like, this is, this, is, this is awesome. And so we're up in the air. And, and then after, so people are watching movies, you're eating, 
you finish, and they just serve you. You're like, you just sit your butt in the seat, and they just take care of you the whole time. And I'm like, this is what I want to do for a living. Like, I want to just sit here, you know, this is awesome. But not only that, they come to take your stuff away, and then they come back later and they ask if you want a snack. You're like, dude, this is amazing. So anyway, so we're, we're, we're in the air. We're going through this whole process. Following the snack, it's like, it's, do you want to go to sleep now? It's nighttime. And so people everywhere are putting out their little lights and everybody's sleeping. Except for this one friend of mine. And I remember I was, I was 20 years old and, 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 and I was just surprised as I watched this guy for eight hours. I, you know, I never hung out with the dude for eight hours. He's a lot older than me. You know, he was like, you know, pushing death in his 40s. And so I was like, you know, and, and so, and, and don't tell your parents, I said, I don't mean that. I'm almost 40. So that's just, all right. So anyway, not really. I'm not really. Anyway. And so I remember watching this guy and, and it was interesting because when, when we all sat down, we like the hundreds of people other than him, I mean, we were checking out all the stuff and we were watching the movies and we were doing the deal and. This guy pulls out a Bible. He pulls out like seven different highlighters and a journal. And I'm talking after an hour, he's still plugged in. Two hours. Three, I'm, and I'm not kidding you, he declined the movie. I was like, uh, uh, like, what? This, like, you can't, you're going to decline it? And I kid you not, not exaggerating. He even declined the food. He was just so into his deal. The, his deal being the Bible. And then when everybody else was sleeping, I mean, the entire place was dark. There was one light on. And so I'm 20 years old, and I watched this guy. You know, he's close enough to where I can see him. He's not close enough to where I can really talk to him. Because, like... You know, over the aisle and through the woods and right over there. And, and so I remember just watching him. And when everybody else declined, or when everybody else is having the meal and the movie and the nap, this, guy's, this guy is entrenched. I mean, just locked in, fascinated. And just like a madman, I mean, he's just, he's highlighting, then he's writing, then he's praying, then he's crying, then he's highlighting, then he's praying, then he's, praying, then he's reading something else, then he's looking up, a, and, he, and he's writing, and literally, I mean, his, his Bible was just all marked up, I smelled like sweat, it was nasty, but it was awesome. And, 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 and realistically, what, what started to kind of come into my heart, my mind is, what... <laughs> What, what's, what's the big deal? What are you so, what has so captured you? What has so moved you that you would voluntarily give up movies, meals, and naps, man? What, what, what is it that has gripped your heart that for eight hours you are entrenched? I mean, you are in it. And when everybody else wants the entertainment, when everybody else, of course, wants to sleep, you're a human being. You, you, you need to eat. You need to sleep just like the rest of us. You, you need Laverne and Shirley or whatever. was what, I mean, you need it all. But no, something bigger lived in his heart. And I just saw as a 20-year-old, I just saw a man who understood worship. 
See, because at the core, worship is our response to what we value most. Worship is our response, how we respond to what we value most. So we value lots of things. I mean, you value lots of stuff. Everybody values stuff, right? I mean, you value, you, you, value, you value food, and you value sleep, and you value shows, and you value your school, and you value education, and you value comfort, and you value your friends. And there's no doubt about it, every single one of us have stuff that we value. The thing that worship is, worship is our response to what we value more than anything else. And you've, you've seen people that value different things. You know, you, you value, what, what do you value? Some of you, you value fashion. I mean, you talk fashion, you walk fashion, you like fashion. When you go to Barnes & Noble, you pull out the fashion magazine, you're checking out fashion. When, when someone walks by, you're like, wow, I like that, you know. If you're, if you're a dude that's like, you know, still think, you know, super baggy jeans are cool and girls, I mean, there's some dudes, you just, you're not into fashion and I like you. But anyway, and, and there's... There's people that, that you, what you value more than anything is you value entertainment. There's something that what you value more than anything is what your friends think of you. And there's some of you, what you value is, is to be successful. And some of you, what you value is to be cool. And some of you, what you value is time. And some of you, what you value is wealth. There's lots of different things. Worship is what you value most. Our response, what we as human beings do because of what we value most. You see it in our culture all the time. You live in a culture where actually worship is going on all the time. I mean, there's, there's tons and tons of worship in our culture. In fact, I would say that in the United States of America, there is, we, we, we know how to worship. I mean, it's, there's worship all the time. Unfortunately, I'm not sure that it's necessarily in our churches. I'm not, I'm not, I know that you're thinking in your head, oh, he's talking about that there's, you know, people singing Hillsong and Desperation Band in churches across the country. No, that's not what I'm talking about. If worship is just straight up a human response to what we value most, look across what fills the biggest auditoriums in the land. What, what are people most enthusiastic, excited about in the land? There's worship. Americans, Americans know how to worship. No question. All you got to do, do is go to a, a concert of a super famous band, and you'll see worship. You'll see people, they know every song. You'll see people cry when the famous person reaches down and touches their hand. You'll see people, I mean, flip out. I mean, excited. You'll see people scream. I mean, you see it. You'll see worship if you go to a sporting event in, the, in America. Let's just take ours, for example, here in Colorado. You go to a Broncos game or a Rockies game, you'll see worship. You'll see people screaming. What do you see? What do you, I mean, Dan and I went, we watched the Broncos play the Seahawks a while back, and it's freezing cold. And we saw people clapping. I mean, clapping all the time. Not clapping like at the very end, you know, good job, boys. No, 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 we're talking like every first down. Yeah! Clapping. Lots of clapping. Lots of clapping. There was not just clapping, there was shouting. So much so, I was a little annoyed with the guy next to me. I mean, Rah! I mean, yelling, yelling at the team, yelling when, when, when they were doing well. 
Yelling at the people doing bad, yelling at the quarterback, yelling at everybody, yelling at other fans who are yelling at, I mean, just yelling. There's clapping. There's shouting. Ah! Like crazy. If you've never been, go. It'll freak you out. People lifting up huge banners. I mean, like, it's kind of funny. I mean, I, I mean, like, you know, it, it's interesting. Like, you, you came to watch the game, and yet you got people, as uncomfortable as it is, they're just like holding up banners to say Broncos. And you're like, dude, put it down. They're like, never. <laughs> like, dude, I can't see. I don't care. I love them. Bro, they're having a losing season. I hate you. Shut up. Broncos. Holding up banners. Some of them, they're not even holding banners for the Broncos. It just says Sports Center is next. I mean, like, it, they're holding banners. They're clapping. Shouting. Holding up banners. And if you go to a Rockies game, seventh inning, singing. The whole, I mean, it's just, it's just like worship. I mean, you know, I mean, well, I mean, you, you got people from all different ethnic groups. You got people that are from all over Colorado and it's the seventh inning stretch and everybody starts singing, take me out to the ball, right? Everybody's singing together, right? Loving it. You know, it's intriguing to me. This is interesting. I've, I've had that experience. I've been to those games and I've seen it. And you know, what's wild is that it's the best worship in the land. In fact, if you go to the Bible, if you, can just, if you just break out the Psalms, Psalm 47, verse 1, clap your hands, all you nations. Clap. The, no, no, I'm not telling you clap. Okay, clap. Yeah, there we go. All right. Woo! Clap your hands. That's worship. That's what the Bible says. Clap your hands, all you nations. Then it says, shout to God. Psalm 20, verse 5 says, we will shout for joy. We will shout for joy when you are victorious, and we will lift up our banners in the name of God. Got a banner? Psalm 33, 3, sing, sing to him a new song. <laughs> There's worship in the house. Yeah, it's good. See, imagine, imagine if what moved our hearts more than a great artist more than a football team, more than a baseball team, more than people on a movie screen, more than fashion, more than anything. The, the aim of our lives as Christ followers is that we would make much of Jesus so that our reaction, our response to him would be huge. Our response would be, ha. Oh, Oh, holy is the Lord. That our response would be, you've, 
You're so big and you're so awesome and you're so true and you're so faithful and you're so good and you're so magnificent and you are the king of all kings and you, you, you do rule and you do reign that it actually makes a difference in my life, that it actually affects how I live, that there's adoration coming out of my heart. And when we, when we look at actually where humanity goes, I, and over the next few years, you're going to hear me say this verse like a broken record. This is like one of my favorite ones. You've already heard it a million times. And just grit your teeth and bear it and pretend like you like it because here it comes again. Revelation 5.11. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands times ten thousands. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the living. In a loud voice, they sang, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. That's good. I like that. You can shout. You can clap. You can sing. You can bring banners. (laughs) Yes, you can. Bring banners. Lift the name of Jesus high. Did you like that last Wednesday night when Jared, when Jared took that? That's Revelation 5.11 coming out. Jared Anderson, when he took the microphone, he looked at the whole crowd and he goes, Lift the name of... That's what I'm talking about right there. That's what I'm talking about. But we want to do it with our voices, but we want to do it with our lives. We want to do it in a celebratory moment with all of us together, but we want to do it day in and day out. We want to have such an understanding of the excellent worth of Jesus that we live in a response that goes, because he is worthy, because he is holy, because he is all wise, because of his power, because of his wealth, because of his strength, because of his honor, because of his glory, because of his, who he is, it demands my whole soul. It demands my whole life. It demands everything that I am. And because it demands everything that I am, I live differently. So when we're talking about quorum Deo, meaning in the presence of God, as we come on Wednesday nights or as we go on a retreat or whatever we do, as we unite together, we want to come together and we want to declare as loud as we can with all that we are, He is awesome. He is good. Worthy is the Lamb. We come into His presence. Sometimes we sing. Sometimes we jump. Sometimes I do jumping jacks. I kid you not. Sometimes, sometimes we raise banners. Sometimes we clap our hands. Sometimes we sing. Sometimes we shout. But we declare, worthy, worthy is the Lord. Awesome is our God. When we're coming together, we, the, the reason why we're singing is it's not because church is about, is about us coming together and singing different parts and harmony and we got alto, soprano and bass and tenor going and let's just show how, no, no, if you've been to some churches, that's how they sing. That ain't us. If you come to this house, it's people on the front row as jumping up and down going in to seeing who he is. I cannot help but respond and declare as loud as I can with all that I have. Worthy, awesome, excellent, glorious. That's what you're going to do in eternity anyway. I mean, that's what we're going to do. And here's the deal. Some of you go, no, that sounds boring to me. I'm scared of heaven. No, no, no. That's because you don't know who he is yet. That's because you've only seen a glimpse of who he is. 
The glory of what we get is that you will never, you will never see all the glory of who God is. You'll never be able to behold all of it. And our great privilege in our teens and 20s and 30s and 40s and beyond, just takes too long to say, is that we worship him now. Is that while we have breath on this side of death, we declare with all that we have, he is worthy. We declare that he is awesome. We declare that he is excellent. David, how... What are you saying? Are you saying if I get on an airplane that I can't watch the movie? Are you saying, David, that I got to get rid of all my hobbies? Are you saying that I can't do sports? Are you saying that I can't? No, 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 no. I'm not. Tonight, I'm not giving you an action plan that says, here, go stop doing all these other things. Here's what I am saying. Make much of Jesus. Spend time looking at him. Spend time saying, God, I want to behold you. I want a spirit of wisdom and revelation that I might know you better. God, I want to worship. And so I, I, I do play the songs. I do open up the scriptures. And here's the thing. The hobbies, the, the human longing, the human desire to have stuff grows strangely dim. The things of earth get smaller. My friend, I promise you, my friend, I know, I know this guy. I can guarantee you he likes to sleep. I just know it. My pastor friend, in fact, I can guarantee he likes to eat. In fact, later on, on the trip, we ate together and he ate quite a bit. He likes food. He likes to sleep. I don't think he likes movies, but the reason why eight hours over the Atlantic, he was consumed, was not, oh, I'm going to not just, I'm not going to, you know, pursue bad things. It's not that. It's the existence of something that's fascinating him far more than anything else. He just can't quite put it down. And I've talked to many guys. They go, I don't think it's possible. It's possible. I've talked to many guys. I remember I was in Montana. I was talking to a kid, 16 years old. And he said, I don't think it's possible. And I said, let me tell you the story of people that have lived it. It's not a theory. We can live with passion for Jesus. We can live where who he is and the excellence of his worth consumes us. The way to do it is not to grit your teeth and say, I'm going to stop doing this and I'm going to stop doing that. Here's the best way. Fix your eyes, Hebrews 12, 2 says, on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And instead of, I'm trying to get rid of the other stuff and the bad stuff. Instead, your heart just starts to connect with who he is. And you want more of him. We had a kid in one of our internships in 2004. This kid was a sports nut. I mean, this guy, this guy loved to read the sports page. He's an Arizona State fan. Loved the Chiefs. Sports guy. Always got, in fact, one time when we were sitting at Panera, I remember one time I had the newspaper and I was like, you want the paper? And he was like, just the sports section, please. This dude was a sports cat. And when he, uh, he joined, our, he, he joined uh, DLA, we called it DI back then. He joined us and he'd been in the program for a couple months. And uh, I was at a speaking engagement in New York City. And, uh, we just, he decide, and we decided to have him go with me. And so we went, hung out. He was 18, 19. How old? Oh, I got, now I'm giving away. How old were you? Is uh, Stefan? Is Stefan? All right. All right. Stefan was nineteen. I know it's a long time ago. Stefan was nineteen at one point. 
And uh, so Stefan and I, we go to New York City in fall, fall of 04, fall of 2004. It's back before any of these people were married up here. But just since we're here, do DLA, you'll find your wife. Anyway, so uh, I'm just kidding. All right. Now I'm distracted. So anyway, so Stefan and I, we go to New York City. And, and, and I'll never forget, we are, we are so Stefan and I are in Times Square. It's a Saturday. All right. We're in Times Square. And... <laughs> And so you, you got a picture, Times Square, it's like, I mean, it is 100-foot billboards. It's, it's, it's all the shops, it's all the movies, it's, all the, it's cultures from all over the world. It's, it's, it's money and sports and fashion and restaurants. I mean, it's eye candy everywhere. It's everybody trying to get your attention. It's the, it's the I mean, it's a social center in America. We're hanging out in Times Square. We're walking and I'll never forget this conversation. Stephanie's 18 years old, 19, it's the tomato tomato, 19 years old. And he goes, he just said this, he just goes, he goes, you know, such a clock Eastern time, two hours earlier, mountain time, the prayer meeting is just starting. And I was like, that's good, this kid's bright, you know, like, what? And he's like, yeah, the prayer meeting's just starting back home, the first prayer meeting. I was like, yeah. And he goes, man, I wish I was there. And I just thought, huh, what, what's going on in the heart of a 19-year-old who spent some time hanging out in the presence of God, hanging out at prayer meetings, that is standing with literally one of the coolest people in the world in <laughs> Times Square... And he goes, I, don't, I would rather be at the World Prayer Center. I wish I was there in the prayer meeting. What, 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 what is that? That's, that's a miracle. What, what takes place? That's a, let's not talk just big grandiose. I'm talking about how does it play out in our lives? There's some work of God. There's some something that God is doing inside. Where I want to make much of Jesus and Yes, there's restaurants here, and yes, there's famous people here, and yes, all, all this looks very exciting. But compared to literally encountering the God of the ages and declaring to him in the same old songs with the same old scriptures, this is who you are, this is who I believe you to be, this is what you did, this is what you're doing, this is what you will do, this is why you're worthy, this is how you're worthy, compared to that, this Times Square's lame. Compared, compared to that. I'm just telling you, I just want to know what happens to us. What happens to you when that grips you? Because you know what you worship. It's very easy to know what you worship. Look at, look at how you spend your time. Your free time. Not the mandated time, you know, where, what teachers and p- parents make you do. <laughs> but your free time. What, what, when, when, when you get to make the choice voluntarily, your time, how do you spend it? What do you work on? What do you think about? Your time, your free time. That's what I'm talking about. Your money, 
be it not much as it may, I mean, whatever you got, your, your affections, what do you talk about? It's all a trail. Your affections, your words, your time, your money, it's a trail. And it leads back to what you worship. It's very measurable. All you got to do is look at how, how you spend your time. How do you spend your words? Is it all about sports? Is it all about friends? Because if, I'm just telling you, those are the things, those are the things that, can, that we can easily worship. And if we worship them, then they become idols. And one of the things I've found that as long as I tell people, hey, hate the devil, people are like, yeah, hate the devil. As long as I say, hey, the devil's bad, they say the devil's bad. As long as I say, hey, we're against the enemy, they're like, yeah, we hate the enemy. But the moment that you say, hey, this could be an idol, they say, ah, I'm mad at you, shut up. Don't talk to me, how dare you? People are fine as long as you talk about the devil, but the moment you start talking about things that might be idols, people get scared. People get mad. People get ticked. Why? Because they want to protect it, because it's the idol that they love. And they worship it. Guys. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only. Have no idols before me. Our great opportunity for us is to make much of Jesus. We spend time. We spend our affections, we spend reading, we spend singing, we spend praying, all that we have to make much of God, to make much of the worth and the excellence of Jesus. And when that's central, when that's big, when that's there, the idols start to go away. And I know it's easy to get fixated on, I want to get rid of this idol in my life, I want to get rid of this idol in my life. No, the whole way, the way that we believe the way that we believe spiritual transformation takes place is in his presence. We got a couple internships where the primary thing that they do in the internship is sit before God with a Bible open and sing songs and pray all the time. Why? Why? Because he's worthy. Because in the presence of God, in the presence of God, we are changed. We're transformed. I'm just interested. What happens? What happens when a whole army of young people in one city make much of Jesus? What happens when we as DSM go, worthy is the Lord, worthy is our God? What happens when hundreds from DSM start to believe this and live this, not for a week, not for two weeks? I'm talking about a decade from now. I'm talking about like for 10 years. I mean, you guys, make, I'm telling you, we could put a pretty fat dent on the planet for the kingdom of God. Tonight, we're going to worship before we go. Stand your feet, run to the front, and let's declare him worthy of all. Let's practice. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout to the Lord. Raise a banner. That's pretty good. All right, raise what you got. That's good. Let me pray for you, and we're going to worship. God, we tonight, we say we are worshipers. Father, we love you. Worthy is our God. 
Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive blessing and honor and glory and power and praise and thanksgiving and glory for eternity, forever and ever. Excellent and holy and true and faithful and consistent and unchanging and perfect and compassionate and glorious is our Savior. Worthy is the Lamb. Holy is our God. Faithful and true. Excellent. King. Lord of all. Glorious. Mighty. We sing, Lord Jesus. We sing and we declare with our voices. We declare with our lives. You are all. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did. Because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.